0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study in the book of Philippians and we come to chapter 3 today. I'm excited to dive into chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. It is just an incredible chapter. Uh, But just one quick housekeeping note here, just so that everybody is aware. Um, I have a writing project that I've been working on. And I'm working on finishing up. It's an ebook, and it is on repentance. And that was I was hoping to be able to get that out by the beginning of September or the end of August. And of course, we're just about halfway through September now. Well, at least a week through September, I guess is uh, probably more accurate. And so I need to say I'm not done with that yet, so it's not out yet, obviously. But we are getting closer, and that is still in the works. So be watching for that when it comes out. But let's get into Philippians chapter three. In Philippians chapter three, starting in verse one, says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for to me to write the same thing to you is more tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. if anyone else thinks he have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so circumcised on the eighth day. "...of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ." And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which uh, Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize for the upward call of God in Christ, Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained let us walk by the same rule let us be of the same mind brethren join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern for many walk of whom i have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of christ whose end is destruction whose god is their belly and whose glory is their shame who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from whom we also eagerly wait, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. This morning, I want to focus in on the first part of this chapter, where the Apostle Paul in verses 1 through 8 talks about people having confidence in their flesh. And he goes and he says this, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, to write to me. The same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh." Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks they have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Now, before we get into or continue on here in verse 5, I want to just point out the first thing they want us to see here this morning, that we're to have no confidence in our flesh. Now, this doesn't mean a a lack of understanding of our abilities. That's not what this is talking about. This isn't going and looking and saying, look, God has gifted me in this area, but I'm going to have no confidence in where God has gifted me, or I've gone and worked hard to develop this uh, skill or something like that, but I'm not going to have any confidence in it that's not what that this is talking about what this is getting at here is going and telling you that everything that you put stock into it really should ultimately be in obedience to christ of going and looking to Christ and saying, look, I'm going to obey him no matter what the circumstances are. And in going in obeying him, no matter what the circumstances are, whether I'm good at that thing or I'm bad at that thing, whether I am excellently skilled, whether I'm excellently talented, whether uh, in, in any of these things, I'm not going to have confidence in my flesh. And then, of course, as it comes to salvation specifically, it's go- it's going and saying, look, I'm not relying on my own ability to get myself to heaven. I'm not working or earning my way to heaven, but rather what I'm doing is resting fully on who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for me. But I I need us to understand something here, and and we're going to see this as the the chapter unfolds. Um, This no confidence in the flesh is often used in order— what it's, it's stating here in this chapter specifically, it's often used to go and to change God's standard and to excuse sin. Now, I want us to understand something. Though we are not saved by our works, it tells us that in Ephesians 2, 8, nine. for by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2.10 is the next verse. And it says that we are created for good works. We are his workmanship and we're created for good works and that uh, he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. God has something for you to do. And so when we're going and saying that we have no confidence in the flesh, especially when we're talking about salvation, this isn't going and saying that works don't matter. This isn't going and saying that, that you shouldn't put any stock into works, that you just have to go and rely on the, 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 the grace of God in such a way that you ignore God's standard. That's not what it's saying. You see, God's grace doesn't change his standard. It doesn't change his law. It doesn't change what he has set forth in any way. And so when we go and we look at this, you should have confidence in Jesus Christ and not in yourself both for salvation and also for obedience, what you're going to do. You shouldn't be going and saying, look, I'm only going to go and do what God calls me to do when I'm confident that I can do it. No, we should be stopping and saying, I'm going to do what God calls me to do even when I'm not confident that I can do it because I'm not relying upon me. I'm relying upon him. And so therefore, I'm going to obey. This confidence, this lack of confidence in our flesh causes us to obey Christ. And if the lack of confidence that you have in your flesh causes you to sin or to disobey Christ or make it easier for you to sin, I want you to realize here you're not tracking with what Paul's saying. But let's continue on. In verse 5, it says, Circumcised on the eighth day. So, so, in at the end of verse four, he says, "If anyone thinks that they have confidence in the flesh, I more so," says the apostle Paul. And he gives his his, his list here. He says in verse five, "Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in Christ, uh, which is excuse me, the righteousness which is in the law, blameless." but what things were gained to me these I have counted loss for Christ now this statement that the apostle Paul makes specifically here in verse 5 and 6 these verses are used across the board to go and attack God's standard and say, look, the law doesn't matter. Look, the apostle Paul says, says he, he was all these things in the law. He was a Pharisee. He, he, he was so good in the law, but, but look, he counts them as loss for Christ. Now, I'm just going to point this out. It doesn't just say, he doesn't just list that he was circumcised of the eighth day, that he was the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He doesn't just say that. He also says something else. He says concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Now, I don't think this was by mistake that the Holy Spirit put that there. And here's why these verses are used. To go off and often are used to go and to dismantle and to uh, to say that the law of God is no good, but that's silly, because when we go and we read concerning zeal persecuting the church, do, do we think that the apostle Paul had less zeal after he got saved? Certainly not. The apostle Paul didn't have less zeal. Yes, he stopped persecuting the church. But he didn't have less zeal. He was still very zealous. He didn't count zeal as a loss for Christ. It was the context here is important of what he's saying. See, he, he didn't go and say, "Look, I, I got rid of my circumcision on the eighth day. I, I quit ce- I stopped ceasing from being of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I ceased being a Hebrew of Hebrews." No, those were things he couldn't change. He continued to have those things. And he's not saying, I'm counting those as loss. I'm getting rid of them for Christ. No, there are many times that the, the Apostle Paul was what was known as a Jew so much so that, that he had to go and remind them or, or surprise people and tell them, hey, I'm a Roman citizen actually too. Don't forget that. We have to understand the context. What he's going and saying is, is now I'm not putting confidence in these things. If you have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And when it goes and it says concerning the law of Pharisee, it's not that he's no longer keeping the law of God. It's not that he's no longer putting stock into the law of God in a sense of, of going and saying that it's the right standard. It's that he's no longer being a Pharisee who's saying my salvation is earned by keeping the law, by being of the tribe of Benjamin, by being a Israelite. By being circumcised on the eighth day, that's why I'm going to heaven. He's not saying those things are, are bad. He's saying that those things will not get you to heaven. And it's true. If you were to keep the whole law, you wouldn't get to heaven if you've sinned once, and we've all sinned once, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. So therefore, if you from this moment continue to keep the law, that going forward it couldn't make up from the one sin or the billion sins, however many sins you've had there, that you've had in your life before then, it couldn't do it because the law can't justify. But something we can see from the Apostle Paul here is that, man, he had a lot of things that he could have been confident in the flesh in, more than you could be and yet he's saying look i'm resting in jesus christ but those things which were gained to me these i've counted loss for christ he says this in verse 8 yet indeed i also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord for whom i have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish that i may gain christ and this is the point that i want to leave us on today What is the motivating factor for you in your life? What is the motivating factor for you in your Christian pursuit? See, it ought to be the excellence of the knowledge of Christ—to know Him and to know Him more. If your pursuit in Christianity is just merely to to know the next theological fact, to go into know more than your neighbor about the Bible, to go and to uh, be really good at Bible trivia night, or whatever it might be, to accomplish the goal that you set, to finish reading the Bible in a year, or to memorize those verses, or to pray for so much time. I, I'm going to tell you right now, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it in a fleshly confidence way. Now, goals aren't bad. It's not bad to want to do well in Bible trivia. I understand that. But let me tell you where I got serious about Bible reading. It was in seventh grade or eighth grade, excuse me. We we had a missionary who came and he proclaimed, uh, he started off by, by going and saying, do you want to know more than your teachers? And of course, I, I was a you know snot-nosed junior hire who wanted to know more than my teachers. He says, "You know, do you want to know more than the ancients? Do you want to know more than anybody who would oppose you?" And I'm thinking, "Yeah, uh-huh, I do." He goes, and he takes me takes us uh, to Psalm 119, 97 through 100, where it goes and says, "I'm more." Uh, I know more than my enemies because um, your your law is ever with me, your words, your statutes are ever with me. What, what however it says it there, I don't have it right in front of me. But but he goes and he he goes through this and in in this it says you can know more than the ancients, you can know more than your teachers, and it has to do with 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 being in God's word. And he goes and he tells all these these stories about being in God's word and in uh, in all of this kind of stuff. And and man, that set me on a trajectory to be in God's word. But but I was doing it. I was missing his point, really, that he was making, that there are benefits in being in God's Word. And I was just seeking the benefits, not seeking God's Word. And, and so for a while, I read God's Word. And I mean, I was well, was really reading it at a pretty high level in, in junior high and early high school, and I, and I continued on doing it even after that. But I mean, I was reading 20 to 30 chapters of Scripture a day between uh, between my eighth grade year and um, in my freshman year, and it was the second semester of my freshman year that it struck me that I was reading all these chapters of Scripture, which gave me great benefit, but I was doing it simply so that I could know more than others, and that was the wrong reason to be reading Scripture. I needed to be reading it so that I could know Jesus and know Him more, so I could know God and know Him more, and it was this passage of Scripture right here that helped me to understand that, that convicted me so that I could see I need to be reading Scripture for a better reason than to know more than other people. So, why do I say this? It's because I want to ask you the question, why do you do the Christian things that you do? Is it to know Christ and to know Him more? If not, you need to consider this passage Because if it's something other than that, you're putting confidence in the flesh. You're building a fleshly confidence that you ought not to. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember, Joshua 1, 8, 9, as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Waiting for his hand to move Oh, but even in darkness We hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting